I'm Jay Carr. This is The Great Cloud. Ezra was ashamed of how he was feeling. A part of him wanted to be celebrating like many others were doing. They had just accomplished a great achievement for Jerusalem. But as great as the rebuilding of the walls was, what Ezra really wanted was the rebuilding of the people. Ezra ached for the spiritual renewal of the people of God. Fourteen long years ago, he left Babylon for Jerusalem with such great expectancy. He knew that God's hand was on him, and he had such high hopes of revival in the worship and lives of the people in Jerusalem. Now, he thought back on how things were much worse than he expected when he arrived. He prayed and wept over the people's sin, and God had given a large-scale repentance for which Ezra was immensely thankful, but that had just brought the people to where Ezra thought they were in the first place. He had been hoping for more. Not just repentance from egregious sins, but a holy passion for the law of God. He dedicated himself to the teaching of the law of Moses for many years, praying and fasting and weeping, longing for God to radically move the hearts and minds of the people toward himself. Ezra had gained a reputation in Jerusalem as the man of God who has a great love for the law, and this hurt Ezra deeply. He didn't want to stand out for loving God and his word. He wanted everyone to share his passion. But there seemed to be pervasive complacency, fear, and shame in all Jerusalem. Despite that, Ezra held out hope and ministered faithfully all those years. When Nehemiah showed up several weeks ago, Ezra knew that they were kindred spirits, and they made fast friends. Ezra recognized God's anointing on this man. The building project he led brought back that optimistic anticipation which Ezra had when he first left Babylon. But he still longed for more than just walls. And in his worst moments, subtle fear and doubt crept into his spirit, telling him not to get too excited. He had felt this way before, and nothing like he had hoped had come of it. It was before daybreak, and he was praying to God that these walls would be a great catalyst for spiritual renewal when he heard someone calling to him. Ezra, come to the water gate. Bring the book of the law of Moses. The people have gathered, and we want to hear what the Lord has commanded Israel. Ezra didn't move or speak for a minute as he tried to wrap his mind around what was happening, and happiness swelled inside him. This was a rare experience. He had often sought to gather the people to hear from God's word, but it wasn't very often that they sought him out. He moved quickly, gathering his things. He grabbed the book of the law and headed to the water gate to meet the people gathered there. When he arrived, his jaw dropped at the sight of a sea of people, nearly everyone in Jerusalem, men, women, and children. There must have been 40 or 50,000 people all sitting in the dawn of the day, waiting to hear from God. Ezra was speechless. He looked around and noticed Nehemiah near the front with what he thought was the happiest look he'd ever seen on the governor's face. Nehemiah smiled at him while slowly and subtly nodding his head. 
wordlessly communicating with his friend the scribe. And Ezra got the message loud and clear. There were no words necessary, maybe no words possible. God had answered their prayers. Ezra was directed to a wooden platform he was told they had built just for this occasion so that everyone could see and hear. He stepped up and looked out over the great crowd. The morning light had just become bright enough to read by, and Ezra opened the book of the law. Immediately, when he opened it, the entire crowd rose to their feet. The sound was like the sudden rushing of a mighty wave, but immediately gave way to calm expectancy. The whole experience seemed immensely right to Ezra. No moment in his life had ever felt so perfect, so full, so close to maximizing its potential. Ezra was overwhelmed with awe of who God is and the holy power of his word to evoke such great reverence and unity. The praise seemed to flood through his spirit and body, completely filling him up and then overflowing from his mouth in prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, the great God from everlasting to everlasting and the giver of the law. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. As the final words of his prayer left his lips, the congregation erupted with the sound of 50,000 people replying, Amen, Amen, and raising their hands toward heaven. Then they all bowed in reverence before God, worshiping him with their faces to the ground. It was also very fitting raising their hands to their heavenly father almost as children seeking to be held would do to an earthly father, and then bowing before their holy Lord as is proper for any servant before a king. This was Ezra's dream. This is what he had longed for and wept for, and the joy and excitement he felt wasn't unique to him. It seemed to permeate the whole square. He and the Levites read from the law and taught the people for over five hours, helping those whose Hebrew had grown rusty in captivity to understand what was being said. And the whole time, everyone was captivated by God's word, intently listening and focused. The people were taking it in not only in their minds, but in their hearts. And as they neared midday, Ezra could see a familiar look in their eyes the look that must have marked his face for many years. The people were mourning over their sin. The law of God had removed the numbing effects of ignorance, and they could feel the pain of their transgressions with renewed sensitivity. But Ezra calmed the people and told them not to mourn, but to rejoice. This was the day for which Ezra had wept and fasted and pled with God to bring about, and it was finally here. This was not the time for weeping. This was a day for celebration. It was not a day for fasting, but for feasting. Not for grieving, but for joy. This day was holy.